0: Welcome to the unspoken truths of digital leadership, living the leadership values. Our guests will talk about the unspoken truths of leadership, the values, the dark side and the learnings from dealing with conflict with integrity, discover how they lead more effectively, how they make decisions, how they live their leadership values, and how they deal with the consequences that happen because of the decisions that they make. I am John O'Poon, I will be your host of the show. Please note that there may be explicit language used during the interview. Sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hey and welcome to another episode of the Unspoken Truths of Digital Leadership. Living the Leadership Values. Where our guests will talk about the unspoken truths of leadership, the dark side of the learnings from dealing with conflict with integrity. And today I have the pleasure of bringing you on to my show Jonathan Palmer, and he is a content creator and someone that I've highly admired through my time of just observing what he's been doing across LinkedIn and how I found him, but also just the way he shows up and the way he does his content. And it's just a huge pleasure and honor to bring him on to my show. So thank you, Jonathan, for coming on.
1: It's a pleasure to be here. Um, One of my favorite things about LinkedIn is the fact that so many of us can collaborate, get to know each other, get a different perspective, a fresh perspective. Because sometimes, especially on LinkedIn, we can feel like we kind of live in a bubble. We we only interact with certain people. We only engage with certain folks. And eventually what starts to happen is with the algorithm and, and all of that, it starts to center your content only around a select few people. So any opportunity that we can take to kind of like expand that, get to know some new faces, new people, um, it really does open up that world for us. So yeah, really happy to get to know you a little bit better.
0: Yeah, so Jonathan, for those that don't know who you are and what you do, because I've followed you for a while, so I kind of know (laughs) a bit more. But for those that don't know who you are, please tell us like how did you get into – LinkedIn and prior, before LinkedIn even, what was you doing before that?
1: Oh, it's a, it's kind of a cool story. Um, <clears throat> so graduate high school. I um just like as a kid, I was I was bullied a lot. Um, I was I was kind of like just that short, chubby, you know, fat kid, <clears throat> bullied, and um I became like I, I I remember like as a kid growing up, uh, watching like professional wrestling, like WWE wrestling, The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan. And I, you know, I wanted to like have the confidence that they had. So, you know, I had a nice growth spurt. My, um, I, I, I matured obviously, and then as soon as I dra- graduated high school, um, I started my journey to become a professional wrestler. Within two months of training, I was already on television, like making like little cameos and stuff like that, working as an extra. And um, so, I really wanted that to be my dream—to be a professional wrestler—and. Within a few years, I recognized that maybe it wasn't the best, you know, road for me. <clears throat> so I shifted. Um, I went back to school and I joined the family business. I became a forensic accountant, which <clears throat> it's about as exciting as it sounds.
0: Yeah. It, it sounds exciting. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. It was, It was. I was definitely not made for that kind of lifestyle. So um, I did that and uh, a couple of years and then my dad said, hey, you know, like, why don't why don't we rebrand the business? We noticed that we don't have like any like um like any uh, social media presence. We don't have any digital presence, website hasn't been updated in like eight years. So one of his friends recommended LinkedIn, said that uh, you know, you need to be creating content, like but he said like press releases and article. And I remember watching like um, LinkedIn and I saw Shay Robottom. I was a huge fan of what she was doing because it was different. She was doing video content and it was just fun. But at the same time, like I could see the value that she was bringing to her community, and they were so engaged. So I was like, "Wow, well, whatever she's doing, I want to do the same thing, right?" Because it seems to be working pretty well for her. So um, I reached out to her and I said, "Hey, you know, um, could could we like set up a consultation? Can I just like can I just like shadow you for a day?" It was like super creepy. I was like, "Hey, can I shadow you for a day?" Like I noticed that she lived kind of close by. And she was like, uh, you know, that's kind of weird. That's a weird request. Like, maybe you could just join my boot camp and I'll, I'll teach you how to do this stuff. So, after a little while, I started picking up. I got a lot of quick success with it. And to the point where she said, hey, quit your forensic accounting job. Come work for me and teach other people how to do exactly what you did. And um, that's what I've been doing for most of this year. And it, it happened quick. I started on LinkedIn in January and, you know, we're in uh, November now. So, uh, you can see how, like the professional wrestling, the entertainment aspect, but then also the business side that I learned from the accounting kind of all came together to be a perfect blend for what I'm doing now. So, yeah, that's kind of the the, the backstory. Yeah, because you
0: just blew out from nowhere in a way. Like <laughs> I saw I saw a few of your videos, and then you just kind of like exploded into this like. Super massive engaged community who just loves, and I now love watching your because I learned so much from your videos as well. I appreciate it. I'm just like, I need to, I need to up my video game and <laughs> publish a few of mine. And I've been, I've been doing some, but I'm still not as engaged as I would like it to be, obviously. But, um, it's, you know, it's a, it's a trial and error thing, isn't it? So, right.
1: It's, it's a process. It's a process.
0: So, before and when you're being bullied. Like during the childhood stuff. So what was the reasons you were being bullied for?
1: I uh I was different. I was a little bit strange. Like, and I and I love that question because nobody's actually ever asked me that. <laughs> it's like, but it's a great question. I believe that I was bullied because by the time that I started liking professional wrestling and things like that, it was looked at as it was something for kids. And like they had kind of grown out of it, but I stayed passionate about it. So, um, also like it's, it's not, it's an orchestrated sport, so it's not actual combat. Right. Mm -hmm. But I loved it. And I think that there's, there's so many times that kids will follow trends just to fit in. Even as a society, even as adults, we want to do what is comfortable in order to fit in with the crowd, as opposed to really standing up for what we believe in. Right. Like I have long hair and I remember like any boardroom I would walk into as an accountant, You could see the executives rolling their eyes like, oh, my God, here we go. Here's one of those guys, you know. But that really goes back to childhood. Like I I knew what I loved and I didn't feel like I had to change for other people. I didn't feel like I had to, you know, fit that. But what it leads to is you will get bullied. I, You know, I used to walk around the hallways of lunch by myself instead of sitting just so that nobody would notice that I was by myself. I was alone. And um, you know you do have experiences like that where <clears throat> it really is the, it really does shape you. But I didn't care. I didn't care if nobody liked me. I didn't care if nobody was following the same trends that I was following. I didn't care if I got bullied. Um, it wasn't going to change my values. It wasn't going to change who I was. So that's that's one of the reasons why.
0: No, I'm just fascinated because you know, you now I mentioned to you previously in our conversation that I was bullied during childhood, but. My reason is because I'm in a predominantly English, white country,
1: right? right? Wow. And I was the only
0: Chinese kid wow.
1: in the school.
0: In the whole school, I was the only Chinese kid, so I was wow. like completely, completely outcasted. And that was the re- and also English wasn't my first language, so I couldn't communicate with the teachers. I can communicate with the kids, so therefore I became a target or easy target, right? And to be picked on, to be bullied and to mess around with because I couldn't communicate and I couldn't tell teachers that I was being messed around with. They wouldn't understand. And so I was just fascinated, like, how did you get into being bullied? Because obviously you live in a country where you're predominantly similar to other people, but you know, there's always reasons for bullying uh, and it doesn't matter whether what color you are, what you do, what you follow, what values you do, but it happens into the best of us, right? It does happen whether it's culturally, racially, um, interests, you know, different uh, styles, fashion, whatnot, right? It, there is all sorts of bullying. So I'm just fascinated what was yours. It,
1: yeah, like, it. and now it all makes sense. It's like, of course you would ask that question because you were in this, this a similar position. You know what it feels like. So, yeah, I, I guess everybody else that's interviewed in me is... It's kind of at a cakewalk when it comes to the bullying so
0: <laughs> that is just something that i was fascinated like how how did it work for you and how did you overcome the bullying that was another thing i'm interested in
1: i i, I never did i never really? did yeah like i still i still feel it now like um not not like as a victim but as like a survivor now it's more uh from the perspective of if i see somebody getting bullied like I'm very reactive. Like I just can't, I can't sit back and and watch it. And, um, I got, I got big, like, you know, I'm already kind of like tall about six, six, two, but a part of that was just putting on a ton of muscle to kind of like, and it's not muscle to, you know, because it's like, I like working out and I like being healthy. It really was like a protection mechanism like I felt like the bigger I got, the less likely I would go back to being that twelve year old kid that got bullied. You know, like less people are gonna be inclined to question me or, or challenge some of my beliefs or things because I'm just a little bit bigger than the average person. So um, really, that's what inspired it. So you know, to answer your question, it never goes away. and I, I'm sure to to a degree you can agree to that. We do a lot of healing, and we can make a lot we can take a lot of steps to make some of those feelings go away. But, man, like when you're all alone, you look in the mirror, you see, you still feel. When you're alone with your thoughts, a lot of that stays with you. So, yeah, I don't think you ever completely get over it.
0: No, but I was seeing what steps you was taking to grow into the bigger person. Oh. (laughs) And like you said, you went to the gym, you put on muscle, you had this protection mechanism when you were just bigger than everyone else, right? And I can relate to that because I did the same thing. (laughs) Like, <laughs> I work out i put on I put on muscle and I just got big i I did martial arts first initially to oh, build the confidence great. and great. uh you know the mindset, but then obviously, once we went to university, it was like gym then you then you just hit the gym then when you do your ninety five routine it's gym after work or before work, you hit the gym and you get bigger,
1: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's it's the it's it's the easiest and quickest way is you build the outside and a lot of you know that stuff like especially like you know in martial arts and uh, um, in in the gym as well like you're building your body on the outside but it's much more a mental game you know because there is so much dedication there is so much discipline that comes with all of those things and that dedication and discipline you know also like is something it's like a muscle that you build within. So you know it is very much external as it is internal.
0: And how would you say you you're dealing with the negative thoughts and the you know the yeah the dark the dark thoughts that that just come your way, right? Like when you're making videos, when people are putting leaving negative comments, how do you deal with those kind of trolls and? You you get all that whether you're on LinkedIn or social media, Twitter, Facebook, whatnot, Instagram. You know, you will have people that be just like, "Oh, look at your hair, or look at your, you know, your way you speak, or the way you sound, or you know, the people who call you like sweet prince, right?" <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Like I like definitely get comments. Um, but I feel like you know that that's also the nice thing about LinkedIn. LinkedIn is really the first social media platform that I've embraced to this degree where I've been authentic in myself. And um I have to say, like, it's very tame in comparison to a Twitter or an Instagram or even a YouTube. Most of the people understand that they they're limited with how much they can save because Their boss is also on LinkedIn, right? So I feel like people have been very respectful for the most part. Like I remember, I had somebody do an entire video, basically insulting, like just basically like yeah, like insulting my style, like the way that I do things, saying that I'm providing misinformation, all that, and like legitimately, I went into the comment section and I was, I, I literally said like, "Hey, this hurts my feelings. Like if I'm doing all these things." You can just like you can send me a message and I'll respond to it. You don't need to make it like a public spectacle. And um it got like a overwhelming response. So and and then at the end of the day, like number 1, that was his best performing post ever. So that kind of made me feel good. I was like he literally had to use me and judge me in order to have a good post. And to this day he hasn't had a, a good performing one since. But also even more so, it was the fact that um you know i i i it gave me an opportunity to ju- like test my confidence the fact mm. that i could approach him and i could do so in a way where i didn't i didn't attack him you know i came from a pres- a position of like like you know like genuine curiosity but also empathy and understanding that like listen it's not it's not about anything that i did it's about something that he's dealing with himself so what i loved about it and what was transformative about it is i started to to empathize for other people and maybe the position they were in as opposed to internalizing it and making it about myself and how I felt. So yeah, it's powerful, but yeah, you know, for the most part, I think LinkedIn is a pretty safe place for anybody that's been bullied in the past. Um, you're not going to deal with the same type of uh, negativity that you would on some of the other platforms.
0: And how did you come to the part when you're being uh, compassionate and more empathy like towards other people? How did you get into having that style of thinking
1: that's a great question um it was I I think it's just been like an evolution like I think you know when you're kind of going through some of those negative experiences like at the time it's very easy to get defensive but I think that the more characters that you meet the more people that bully you the more people that have bullied you um, you start recognizing traits you start recognizing like the drivers the mechanisms that cause people to do these types of behaviors. And the more of those that you start to see, you start to recognize like, oh, okay, it's, this person has like a certain character model and it's not me. And that's also something that's been very powerful. Even in your personal lives, because we all have those people, like it could even be mom and dad. You know, bullies are not necessarily people we don't know. There's plenty of bullies that could live in the same house as you, Right. And that's something that I've learned. It's like when you hear the audience or you hear close friends and you have all this positivity around you, and then there are specific people that can't seem to see what everybody else sees, you start recognizing, like, hey, maybe I'm not the problem. Maybe it's something that this other person is going through and they're projecting it on me. And that's what I started to identify, like, even in my own home. Maybe that person was going through something and they're projecting as opposed to maybe as opposed to internalizing and thinking it was something that we were doing.
0: And was it something that you was doing throughout your nature? From what I can see, it's in your nature to be kind, loving, compassionate, and empathetic. How did that come about during your childhood? Like, was there times where you just like you loved animals or anything like that, that nurtured that behavior?
1: Yeah, like, um, I remember like getting bothered by the silliest things. If somebody was like, like breaking a toy, like ripping, the, like I don't know, man. I went to school with some weird kids, but or maybe this is normal. I don't know. Like there'd be kids that would be like ripping the arms off of dolls and ripping the heads off of a doll. Like I did. Like I would get upset about stuff like that. I would get upset if like a kid turned on the water fountain for too long because I was thinking about the fishes in the ocean. You know, like they were. You know, like I could feel the fish is hurting. So I think that I'm just like a, like, honestly, I'm just like a very sensitive person. So I can, like, I can feel when other people are hurting and maybe a lot of it has to do with my own childhood. Like I felt like I was not, um, I didn't get a lot of that type of love. Like my parents are fantastic. They did a great job in raising us, but I didn't get a lot of that kind of love specifically. They they worked a lot. And I'm sure a lot of us can relate to that. So due to that, it's just like, yeah, like I feel like I took on a lot of that, Um, sensitivity, where I will feel when when people are hurting, I will feel like when something's not right, I want to give them that kind of love that maybe I didn't receive as much of when when I was growing up.
0: Uh, I'm nodding away because I can completely relate to this one about not having that love, or at least not feeling the love from my parents, because my parents also worked, they used to work in a Chinese takeaway, their hours would be between like 11am to 2 p.m., they'll be home by the time I finish school, which is 3 p.m., but then at 5 till 12 a.m., they'll be at work again. So, I normally get dropped off to my cousins, and I would be with my cousins from, like, 5 till 12 a.m. And they normally just, like, carry me to the car and bring me back home to sleep, and they'll wake up for 7 and go to school at 8.30, 9. And that would be, like... Monday to Fridays, and then Saturday, Sundays, they're normally working as well. So I'd be again left with my cousins. Wow. So I never had that relationship or love relationship like you're talking about with my parents. Right. So I always craved love. Like, even now, like, even with my partner and my fiance, like, we've been together for like 10 years. It's like I've always craved that connection and that love for from someone else, but also for other people. So I was just curious how you got to yours. And like you said, because your parents worked so much, you lacked that Mm -hmm. love. And now you're showing it to other people.
1: Dude, like I want to give you a hug right now. <laughs> I didn't realize I like did did you realize that we would have this much in common when you when you jumped on this call? Do you feel like you've become intuitive in that way or no? Like you were you were not expecting this. <clears throat> I
0: I had a sense of it, like you, I'm very sensitive as well, but more to energy type. Right. And there was just something about you that just got me to connect with you and obviously the more you're sharing your story, the more I'm, I'm relating to you, obviously, and how we're similar in upbringing, obviously different culture, different countries, right?
1: but
0: the story and the connect, like the lack of love from parents was a huge one. right? Right. Right. And how you've managed to change that around and be more compassionate to other people. Like other people are hurting, they mu- they must be going through something really tough. Like that's something that I would say to someone to to people nowadays. It's like, for you to project all that stuff onto me, you must be going through a really tough time. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. I love you. <laughs> Sending you best love. <laughs>
1: like right, right, that is right. that
0: is what I would do, right? Like I would send so much love to them. But like I hope you get over what you're going through right now.
1: That's, that, and that's the key. And that's key. And you know what it's like, and you even like they're not, I don't want to play it up like it's in always, but there are times where somebody will leave a negative comment in your content and then you, you reach out to them. And, and it's just like you started the conversation. Like somebody will say something about one of my videos. Like, <clears throat> I don't like the way you make videos. Let's generalize it. Right. And then I'll send them a, a message, like a personal message. It'll be like, well, you know, what is it about my video that didn't resonate with you? What is it about my video you didn't really like? And then they just, it's like, they just let it all out, right? And then you start having these like beautiful conversations with these people. And you realize like, okay, this person was hurting. This person is going through something. You can see it in their content when they express themselves. but they, You can also see it in that message that they're t- where they're having a conversation with you. So, you know, even those 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 bullies or those people, it's like when you really take the time to slow down and talk to them, uh, you do find that there are some uh, there are some things that you can learn about them that really uh, makes you understand to the point where you almost regret like where you might have been a little bit tough on them because they're going through a lot of stuff. Maybe that would have been their breaking point. So yeah, and any anytime that we can help them through their th- those experiences, it can be really powerful.
0: And have you been doing like more personal development work in yourself?
1: Um, not not really in a traditional sense. Like, um, I used to be like, and I don't know if this was you, but probably (laughs) like (laughs) I was like a self help book junkie. Like, I would just I would read so much Gary Vaynerchuk and Simon Sinek and Grant Cardone, and it's like I would get lost. You know, Tony Robbins, obviously. I would get so lost in you know the 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 books. Uh, thinking that, you know, if I do all of these things, then my life will be this. And um, it just got to the point where I wasn't taking any action, right? So um, I've gotten away from a lot of that. I think that sometimes we really have to like, as as opposed to reading other people's words, we need to listen and write our own and really understand what's going on internally with ourselves and and take the steps to make all of these things actionable. So I'd say that's been the most, you know, People think like when you're when you're when you're doing these videos, you're writing all this content that it's it's only to serve your audience. But it, it, it's also very much like therapy. Like if you go into your computer, you, you open up a Google document, you hit voice typing and you just talk through your scripts, talk through your content. It, it, it inevitably does feel like a, almost a therapeutic experience. It, it really is cool.
0: Yeah, the, the, the I was curious because you talk a lot about self awareness and understanding people's um, behaviors and emotions. So I was like, uh, you you probably have gone through the traditional way of you know self help junkie like like myself, obviously as well.
1: <laughs> what What are some of your favorites? I'm intrigued. Yeah.
0: Well, Tony Robbins, I crew for Tony Robbins Fire Team.
1: Oh wow! Awesome. That's so, amazing. Yeah.
0: So for the Fire Team, when you do the firework experience. I'm usually a part of that in the UK, and recently, or last few years, was Singapore, where we got to do the the firewalk in Singapore and help the f- Singapore team because they were missing a few uh, veterans over that side. So we had to fly out from UK. A, f- a team of us flew out from UK and help out. How cool! And you know, I, I volunteered for a fire team because I didn't want to be inside to keep consuming information. I wanted to adapt. And like you said, implement the knowledge, right? There's no point learning all this stuff if we don't implement it and live it, breathe, breathe it, and be it. Right. So yeah, it's like yourself, Simon Sinek, um, Gary Vee, um, Dale Carnegie, all of the this, the the normal amazing people part, out there. Yeah,
1: how to win friends and influence people.
0: Yeah, that's Dale Carnegie, that one.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that. That's my favorite book. By far, that is my favorite book. Yeah. Can't forget that one. It's it's aged a little bit, you know? It's like, I think it was written in like the 30s, but man, it, it teaches so much about how to communicate with people and um, not necessarily in a manipulative way. I guess I could see how people could take that it that way. But um, yeah, like that taught me how to talk to people.
0: I, really I, I avoided that book for a long time because I thought it was a lot about manipulation and I was like, I don't know what was the reason, but I thought there was a lot of like manipulation or NLP to, you know, be like someone who just like win friends. and infl- like, That's what I thought it was, right? Until obviously I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to read it and just go through it and just see what it is. And then obviously by the time I've gone through it, I'm just like, oh, this is just general being a decent human being.
1: <laughs> but that's, but you know what? And that's kind of like, that really is my the secret to my content. It's you know we're not in it. It's <clears throat> Gary Vaynerchuk, Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek's interesting because he'll put like a scientific spin on things. But like if you if you watch his content, there is a formula. But the point I'm trying to make through this is with Gail Carnegie and uh, Dale Carnegie and all these individuals is um, <clears throat> it's it's not rocket science. We try to complicate our content. We try to complicate our messaging when really all of the the ideas and the concepts are are very simple. You know, like I put so much emphasis on commenting on people's content. Like, okay, I I can spin it 15 different ways, but at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, give more than you take. That's the message, you know? Um, Be there, provide value to other people. That's not rocket science. The methods in which we do it the methods or the strategy that we put behind it, that can that can, you know, change one way or another. But really, like at its core, it's all the same stuff. We're all saying the same thing.
0: Uh, what was your your reason behind um continuing with LinkedIn and you're not doing other like so many people would be like, oh, let's try out on different platforms. Like, what was your reason for staying on LinkedIn and not trying on other platforms?
1: That a great question. That's a fantastic question. Um, okay. Um, I think a lot of people make that mistake, right? Like <clears throat> the best example I can think of is like a band. Like the band itself. Let's talk like, how about the Spice Girls? That's an easy one, right? Like everybody knows the Spice Girls. I, as a kid, I loved the Spice Girls. I was in love with like uh, Ginger Spice, <clears throat> the redhead. So anyways, you got the Spice Girls. So Ginger Spice decides... To do like a solo career, right? And she starts releasing some hits and, you know, like the other Spice Girls, they go their other way. But inevitably, Ginger Spice like recognized she could not be bigger than the Spice Girls themselves, right? Or like an actor where they think that they can leave like a movie franchise, do another movie, and they're going to be a huge hit only to find that, you know, they they couldn't they couldn't like replicate the same magic. So just like through seeing history and the way that it plays out, I recognize that right now I am like LinkedIn is the Spice Girls and I'm Jerry. I'm I'm Ginger Spice. I'm not going to leave until they kick me out or <laughs> until something happens that leads me to believe that it's safe to do so. I think so many people jump too soon mm. when they haven't established themselves enough in one place and then they spread themselves too thin Or it just doesn't have that perfect formula. So yeah, like I feel like we have something magical here. Instead of getting too into my ego and feeling like, oh, you know, I could translate all this to YouTube. I might be making a mistake. I might have it all wrong. But I feel like right now this is where I should be. And eventually, organically, I will start spreading in other places. Because what's so cool, nobody told me about it. I don't post content on Instagram or YouTube or Facebook consistently. Yet all of those follower counts are growing because people are curious. You know, they're seeing chapter, let's call it five, six, and seven on LinkedIn. One, two, three, and four is on Facebook. It's on Instagram. I don't update them. That, that book has been closed for a long time, but people are, are curious. They want to know more about you. So they will search for you in other places. I'm not even growing them. I put no focus on them, yet they do grow. So I would encourage people, don't even, like, worry about some of that stuff, especially when you're early on in the process. Those will grow organically.
0: Do you think people are taking Gary Vee's advice too much, like spreading themselves all across different platforms? Or other it's, people who who says, you know, it doesn't have yeah. to be Gary, but other people as well.
1: I, I think it's it's well-intended. You know, like, I think the intentions are good. I think that, you know, for the average person, it's probably not healthy. Mm. And I, you know, one thing that I, I don't want to take complete credit for it, but I really, I challenged myself to do it. And I found that it's successful is I only post content twice a week. And in the beginning, including Shay herself, they were, everybody was like, you're crazy. There is no way you can grow only posting twice a week. You need to post every day. That's always been the belief. But I told myself, okay, if I post twice a week, but I'm a part of the community seven days a week, if I'm commenting, if I'm liking, if I'm engaging, if I'm doing things like this, if I'm if I'm growing in other ways every day, that's going to prove that it's not about me. I put my stuff out there twice a week. I want people to pay attention to it twice a week, but I'm there for everybody else five days out of the week, the other five. Right. So and I feel like that, that has been powerful. Like if you look at long term, like. The, the quick growth and kind of like how I built that community. I didn't necessarily build that community just through my content. I built it because of the way that I contributed to others and how it's helped assist my growth. So I think more people need to focus on that. You know, limit the amount that you're putting out because honestly, none of us are that interesting to be putting out content every single day. Right. And give other people a chance to be at the top of the news feed you know, build other people up and it'll be incredible. You'll see the way that you grow, despite the fact that you're only putting out content twice a week.
0: I find this fascinating now that you're talking about building other people up on the platform. And this is where it resonates with the whole digital leadership thing. Like you're building other people who, you know, you're showing as part of leadership traits, right? You're allowing other people to grow. What's your reasoning behind Growing others on, on that, whether the whether it is showing up for not just um you know for algorithm and, and showing up for your sake, but is it because generally you want to help other people grow, you want to help other people show up more?
1: Yes, yeah. Like there's there is. First, let's let's get like the the selfish component out of the way. Like it has been proven, we've tested it time and time again. That if you consistently engage in a certain person's content, you will show up more often in their feed. So I remember when I was starting out, I've said it a bunch of times, but followed like a 90-10 rule. 90% giving, 10% you know, getting, basically. So I would go into the news feed and I would like, like, and this was when I was starting out. I had like 36, 37 followers. I had nothing. So I would like and comment on nine posts. And then the 10th one was my post. So, you know, what I started to find is, especially like if it was within the same hour, if I engaged in all these other people's pages, one, two or three of them would go back to mine and leave a like and leave a comment. Now, if you do that daily and you keep up with that same group of people daily, you do find that in time. Now you have like an, like a, a pretty large audience of people that continue to do this practice. And if your content is good, you, the introduction was giving. Mm-hmm. The introduction was not actually them seeing your content. It was that you engaging in their content. When they see that it's actually good, then they're like, oh, wait a second. This guy actually, he might be onto something. All right, let me actually watch this. It's not even just about the engagement anymore. Now it's about him actually having a voice. So I think it's a combination. You know, like, um, but it was definitely selfish initially. But as I've grown, I've seen the opportunity to work with other people and and um, and give back more, especially to the people that I see that you know yourself included. Like, I like I, I I knew there was something special, and I wanted to connect. And there's so many people that are much smaller, and I see that they have so much potential. They just don't have the platform, and I want to see them do well. Because not only does it make me feel good, but it might be a good testimonial one day that hey, you know what, John kind of gave me a little bit of a boost, or, or he put me, you know, in in like like in the center for a moment, and it helped uh, helped me grow it in in that time. So anything I could do in that way, it always feels good.
0: Well, definitely, you inspired me to step up with my videos. Like I mentioned in one of your posts, I was like, "How long?" There yeah, are some intriguing questions first. Like, like, how long do you do your videos? Right, because I. I found myself making videos nowadays 20 to 30 minutes but i don't shut up and i go on for longer (laughs) only takes you 30 minutes to do a
1: video don't even tell me that
0: (laughs) well it's like a a 30 minute video but more than that but i find myself when it comes to video editing it's like i don't know what to cut out anymore (laughs) especially when you you trim it down from like a 30 minute to like a two minute video i'm just like where where am I starting with
1: this? Right, right. So so, talk me through that. Like, how long would you say on average you spend, like, beginning to end script writing? If you do any script writing to posting, how long does it take you, more or less?
0: I don't do script writing. That's the one thing I haven't done yet. It's because I normally just go with the flow. Like, I have a right, theme, right. yeah, and then I just go and I just go live. Like, even like Facebook Live and all that YouTube Live, whatever. It's just like. I just switch the camera. And I just be like, I'll just talk, like whatever's going on in my head, with that theme.
1: And, and then, then, like, yeah, editing and all that.
0: Start. To and finish. then when it comes to editing, I'm just like, I'm blank because it's such a big <laughs> file. I'm just like,
1: <laughs> right, 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 right. So then, how much time do you think you like? Do you do any editing, or you'll you'll keep it minimal? Like,
0: I've, I've been trying to go through the videos and trim down and, and allocate time to do it. And I generally find myself yeah, spending an hour or two, like trimming loads of multiple videos that I could use.
1: So I would say, like start to finish, for me, if you include the script writing, it's probably ten to fourteen hours per video. So to, to kind of give perspective, like it, <laughs> I'm sure, like the finished product, it looks like it takes time. But people, what people don't realize is like um, the script writing element is actually like very comprehensive. It could take two to three hours to come up with a messaging where, you know, I don't know how many people have noticed, but it's like a lot of it is very rhythmic. It's it's intended, it's it's done in a specific way to mm. keep people's attention where there is not one wasted word. There is not one, you know, tone or like even like the direction, like if you go back and you watch my content, like even the direction my eyes are moving everything is planned. Everything is intentional. Every movement is intentional because it's like, for me, it's, it's a production, you know, it's, it's, I look at my content more as an experience than, you know, just a piece of content that people put on, um, on, on the internet. Like I look at it like art and I'm also incredibly respectful of my, my followers time. I don't want to waste their time. I want to ensure that whatever they're getting it legitimately brings them the most value I could possibly bring them within any given time. I mean, you and I can have a conversation. There's tons of value in it. But even like looking at it from my perspective, like how can I make it even even tighter? And it's just, it's a process. It's a learning process. You know, my first few videos, obviously I was not doing all these things, but making those like micro improvements every single video, you inevitably build yourself up to this point where, yeah, like there's not one waste. There's no one wasted second in any video.
0: Wow. I appreciate that. Awesome. I feel like I just got a free coaching, man. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> as much as everyone else is listening to this. So that's awesome.
1: That's the key. That's the key.
0: And when you dealt with your negative emotions previously, are you how are you dealing with them? Do you have a, a process other than hitting the gym, obviously?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, like I, I think that like I don't want to be a downer but I still feel like I'm very much in that mindset, but I, I, I view it as a strength. Like mm-hmm. some people may think that might be a little bit unhealthy, but I I really use it to drive me to be better. Right. So um, yeah, like there, there's definitely a chip on the shoulder and it's, it's, it's an everyday process of trying to, you know, manage some of those feelings. But I'd say that <clears throat> that's, that's a lot of the key to my success. The, the, the beautiful thing about it is we could take some of these weak moments And not let them define us, yet allow them to become the reason why we succeed. And I feel like if I hadn't gone through all those things, I would definitely not be as aware as I am right now. Like, I'm actually, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of jealous. I'm kind of jealous. Like, I, I have a brother. He has a great career, also an accountant. He's about to have a kid, like, buying a house. Lives a great life. It's a simple life, but it's a great life. And he, he's so appreciative and and satisfied with his life. On the other hand, you have people like us that are just like maniacs. We're always searching for the next thing. We're always seeing how we can continue to grow. And there's a part of me that is jealous of of how my brother kind of had, had how he can find his happiness through the simple things, as opposed to some of us that are always searching for something more. So um, yeah, you know, there is a part of me that it's like, you know, I love what I'm doing. I love the growth and the progress. But man, if I could be happy with the simpler things, it'd be a simpler life. So there is that side of it.
0: And how are you, how are you managing that at the moment?
1: <laughs> oh, my God. I don't sleep. <laughs> like guaranteed two nights a week, I do not sleep at all. You know, I will just go through the next day. But um, that's, that's a part of hustle culture, right? I don't agree with it. I don't condone it. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm also a huge fan of Elon Musk and the whole – he has a quote, in them, it's probably not word for word. But, you know, like, if you treat, you know, the next six months and try to, like, accomplish everything you can, like, whatever you planned out for 10 months, for 10 years, try to accomplish it in six months. Even if you don't get there, you'll still be much further along the lines as somebody that planned it out to take 10 years to do. So that's how I've kind of been viewing it. That's why I think that the growth has been so significant. Is I've been essentially taking exactly what he said—the ten months, How uh, taking ten months worth of time. How can I fit as much as I possibly can from that ten-year plan? And uh, yeah, it's it's worked out all right. So, but sleep has definitely taken the backseat.
0: <laughs> and is that routine that you follow, or you kind of have in your structure as well as exercise? That seems to be part of your obviously your your daily routine
1: <laughs> yes yeah um there, there really isn't a daily routine but i'm very methodical right like when when it's time to create a video like i get very much in the zone mm-hmm. i think it's it's very helpful to take take a lot of breaks when you're in the script writing process take a lot of breaks when you're writing your content to ensure that you know like i will let's like i won't i won't write a script and deliver it the same day because there have been plenty of times where I might have an idea. We're all guilty of this, right? We think that we have like the most brilliant idea, like the, the best idea since sliced bread. And then like we sleep on it and we look at it again and we're like, oh my God, like what did I just say? What like, what was that all about? Was I drunk? Like we can't even figure out what, what inspired us to write these things down. They're horrible. So I always make sure to – that's one strategy I 100% attest to you know, like sleep on your ideas. Don't uh, don't write it and post it the same day. And that is something that I will go through. And then, then when it's time to film, record, edit, all that, it, it is very methodical. You know, I'll take, you know, five minute breaks every hour or so. But, you know, from basically I will record my video at around one o'clock in the morning and then all through the night I'll edit so that around 9 a.m. the next day it's ready to go. But it is lit. when I'm posting my, my video, I literally just finished working on it that same day. So it can be a little bit crazy.
0: That definitely is a, a different unusual way of working with homeless people. I do
1: not attest to it. Like, I do not I do not recommend it. it is, it's not healthy.
0: But it's whatever works for you, right? That's right, the, right, right. As long right. as that matters, you know, find what works for you. Well,
1: I'm <laughs> like, you I find. don't understand. The people that tell me, like uh, I have some some friends, you know, some even some competitors who they're like, "Oh, I have my content planned out for you know a month ahead." I don't agree with that. And I feel like there's a huge loss opportunity because where I have an advantage is what's happening right now on LinkedIn today. My friends that were all excited two months ago because they have all their content lined up for two months, it sounds tone deaf, like with some of the algorithm changes it sounds like they're just, they're ignoring the real problems. So one of the advantages that I think that I do have is the fact that when something is happening in the world right now, I'm answering the call. I'm there for the audience to give them the answers in that same moment, as opposed to somebody who almost to a degree selfishly planned it out. Like, how does that sound like, Oh, well, I planned out my content a month ahead. It's like, well, you know, Is it about you having your content all lined up or is it about you providing value to your community? I guess you could do both technically, but I feel like you're not always going to be, it's kind of like a fresh cooked meal versus leftovers. You know what I mean? Or like people that prepare like food prep, they prepare their food ahead of time so that they have it available. It never tastes as good as freshly cooked. And as much of the freshly cooked content as I can create, I feel like it's going to leave a better taste in people's mouth.
0: Well the thing is your content is relevant because it's relevant to the time which you said like it's right. now not last month or two months ago especially the content you're creating right you're 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 creating content relevant to linkedin strategies growth um development progress right whereas depending on other people I suppose what content they're posting you know if it's about I suppose like more generic things like it leadership more
1: evergreen. That's a great point. Yeah.
0: Leadership could be generic because yeah, you know, that's all the time, right? Communication, speaking, and more of the you know, relationship love, like those are just, you know, you could post, you could schedule those, those type because that's relevant to anyone depending on where their journey is.
1: Absolutely. Agreed.
0: But when you're niching into something like LinkedIn, you gotta be relevant. <laughs> <laughs> to what's happening now, not like two months ago. Like it,
1: what happens LinkedIn for tomorrow, it changes, right? Overnight. <laughs> right, right. But I think that, you know, like, and onto your point a little bit, um, I would still encourage people to be a little bit more aware of what's going on in the world. Because even somebody that is focusing their content on leadership, we were not anticipating, like, for example, the the United States elections to go the way that they did or for the way that it's kind of impacted, or the fact that like we're in a second wave of COVID, some of these things, you know, if we could take the topic and make it like hyper relevant to what is happening this week, what's happened with the elections this week, what's happened with COVID this week, how it pertains to leadership, how it pertains to, you know, whatever the topic is, Mm. I feel like there is an opportunity there to reach a couple extra people. I feel like the opportunity is there because people feel like, okay, they're talking in the now, they can feel it, as opposed to somebody that's just like it it feels like it could be Tuesday, Wednesday, next week, next year, and it's the same, more or less the, the same idea. What do you think of that?
0: I absolutely agree. Depending on your topic, and um, like you said, if it's something relevant to now, like for instance, leadership, it could be things like what do people look for in leadership right now? Like what qualities are looking for? What do we need
1: for? What do we need what? in
0: the world, right? Yeah, like calm, collective people that know what they're doing and feel like they've got their stuff together. Like the last person you want to lead is someone who's panicking and just flying out all different complaints, comments, moaning, complaining. Like you don't want to follow that person because they're not going to get you anywhere. or well, at least not anywhere good. <laughs> exactly. You want someone that's like stable, have their stuff together, calm, observant posting relevant content, right? What's happening now? Like things like LinkedIn stories and all that kind of good stuff that's coming into the the, the, the world, right?
1: Right, right, right. Exactly. So yeah,
0: I agree. I think it's depending on the type of content, but connecting relevantly, I think it's much more engaging as well. So for those that want to get started in, in LinkedIn, or creating content for the entrepreneurs, the CEOs, the startups, what's your best advice for them?
1: Great question. Um, I would I would say that the best advice is don't overcomplicate your messaging because nine times out of 10, like these industry terms or these industry topics that we typically try to approach, people don't really, you know, like, I don't wanna know how a Mac works. I don't I don't care how like the internal workings of a computer or what makes it run fast. Tell me the way that it's gonna save my time. Right? If I'm working in the financial sector or the financial industry, let's say that you're a financial advisor and you know, I want your, you know, you want me, you want me to to buy from you. You're gonna be creating content around financial advising or whatever the case may be. Don't overcomplicate it. Just tell me how I'm gonna save money. I don't need to know about your industry or or how things work. I just tell me what I'm going to get out of it. What's the value, right? And I think that a lot of people overcomplicate it, deliver it. Like you're going to deliver it to a five-year-old. You want to know the secret behind all my videos. I create my videos for five-year-olds. If it's good for a five-year-old, I know it's good for my audience. There's explosions, there's jump cuts, there's so much going on. There's like, basically I have cartoons on television, right? The television to the side of me is cartoons. People love it, but really I'm thinking to myself, can i get a five-year-old to enjoy my video and you find that the adults play along as well because they really never grew up either so when you're developing content make it easy make it simple make it for a five-year-old and you can't go wrong
0: wow fantastic and for those that wants to connect with you where can they go if it's not already
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm i'm only on one place so i'm easy to find yeah you can find me jonathan palmer i'm sure um, he's gonna include all the details in the comments but yeah like that's uh only place you could find me and i i, I wouldn't have it any other way
0: <laughs> awesome so i appreciate your time Jonathan and thank you so much for your wisdom and everything that you shared with me, uh, with us today i, I really feel like forget. i
1: made a great friend like uh we related to so many things so i can't wait for all this to end so i could travel over there we do this one live
0: oh absolutely We'll definitely be catching up even more so thank you so much for your time Thank you for listening to the unspoken truths of digital leadership. I hope you found this interview insightful and useful. Please remember to subscribe and review the podcast. And if you have found it useful, please feel free to send it and share it to your network as I will be very appreciative that it will spread and help out more people in the world. If you would like more information, all the show notes and resources that I will be providing you, then please go to www.johnopoon.com, go to the blog and find the podcast section. Step up, show up and stay up. Take care.